Welcome back, everybody. I've been Ron Hell about uh, a little less than 10 minutes away. Closer to five, actually. We'll have them right after SportsCenter. Bottom of the hour here on the program. 505-6009. That's our telephone number. Getting right on in and through to the program. You can tweet the show at 600 ESPN El Paso. Noah at the Noah underscore G tweets the show. I find this game against FIU, uh, FAU very similar to the Miners' 2017 win at home against Middle Tennessee, right in the middle of their reign, coming from down 17 points. Hopefully we see the same outcome. Well, I don't want to see the Miners down 17 to FAU tomorrow. I want to see them play with a lead and play well throughout like they did yesterday. But outcome-wise, yeah. Uh, that's an interesting comparison, uh, looking at UTEP Middle Tennessee, uh, as you compare that to the game coming up tomorrow night. Yeah, it is a real interesting comparison. I would I would compare this matchup to the last time I felt like both these teams played a really relevant game, uh, which was two years ago, first round of the Conference USA Tournament. Miners were supposed to beat Florida Atlantic. A lot of people thought so. Sule Boom, Bryson Williams, Jamal Biennemi, Keontae Kennedy, Titus Verhoeven on that roster. Uh, and a lot of these Florida Atlantic players who, who are going to come here tomorrow were on that team as well who beat the Miners. They beat them uh, – 76 to 70. Brian Greenlee was on that team. Michael Forrest, uh, Jalen Ingram, and also Janelle Davis. So a lot of the same guys from two years ago have stuck around with this FAU team. That's probably one of the highlights uh, to know going into tomorrow. They ranked 21st in minutes continuity from last year to this year, Steve. So bring a lot of uh, players back uh, from years past. Yeah, that's cool. That is a good way to do it. Do that right. Yeah, and things are going to be happening. By the way, in case you're wondering, this is really interesting. Florida Atlantic has a net ranking of 15. 15 right now. That's that's big time for UTEP. You could try to knock that team off. That would do wonders. Not like they're going to be you know, a, a tournament team this year, but it would help. Uh, North Texas has a net ranking of 72. Other than that, you've got UAB, 79. You have, let's see here, Middle Tennessee, 120. You have Rice, 138. They got a big win last night. I think they beat North Texas, uh, Rice. That was big. You have Louisiana Tech, 143. Where is UTEP in this? Oh, 165. Well, they would move up quite a bit if they could beat FAU tomorrow. Right. I, it, when you look at UTEP, based on Ken Palm, still right around that same margin. Uh, uh, based on Ken Palm's rankings, they are 174. So UTEP pretty much right around where they are in their net ranking as well. Well, they're 0-1 against Quad 1. That would change if they win tomorrow. Yes, and, and that 0-1, uh, that loss is Texas right there. Yep. So very quality loss. Let's get to Jim. He's joining us next. Sports Talk continues. What's up, Jim? How are you? Doing good, Steve. How you doing? Doing all right, Jim. Appreciate the call. Doing good. Hey, this is exciting stuff, right? It I mean, is. We're, we're catching fire and and right at a right at a great moment. I bought tickets last weekend to go on to tomorrow's game. I didn't realize those guys were ranked. And all of a sudden, it's like, hey, it's a ranked team. Like, oh, this is going to be good. Yeah, it's like an added bonus, Jim. That's right. So, yeah, yeah. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, you were talking about, uh, I don't know. About winning, beating ranked teams at home, 
and I remember you talked about Fresno. I was at that game when they oh. beat Fresno. Um, I remember they beat Memphis. Tim Floyd's first year, they beat Memphis really bad. Memphis had a super freshman class. Will Barton was part of that class. He ended up with the Nuggets. You're right. I don't know if you all remember that. I, I'm assuming they I were ranked. They were not ranked. They were not they ranked. But wow. but they did beat them 74-47. to 47. That was yeah. a destruction. Yeah. It was just, and they were, at the time, I think they were the, the conference leaders at that time. They were. And so, yeah, by the way, UTEP should have beat them two weeks later in the CUSA championship at home. Right. I'll never, I'll never forget that game because I was courtside. I went to that. I went to that, and I was sitting like four rows up with my stepson, and, and oh. I saw it, and I still don't believe it. Me neither. I watch it on YouTube sometimes. It haunts me in my dreams, oh, Jim. It really does. Oh, no, uh, no, I would never watch it again. <laughs> it was too painful the first time, you know. But um, the well, hardest part for me is when they build that 12 point lead with like six minutes left. That's uh-huh. the part and everything was going right. They're making three after three and the, cr- and the crowd's uh-huh. going crazy. I, I just I watch it because I, I still can't believe how quickly the lead disappeared. Like it was yeah. it looked like they were going to run away with it. And then all of a sudden Memphis just yeah. climbed right back in the game. And that was when young Josh Pastner uh, had like the, the coaching win of his life. I, I, I just I still can't right. believe it. Right. Maybe one of the best wins he ever had. He's he's still coaching, but he is. Oh, hasn't really. He was supposed to be a, the next coming of somebody, but you know yeah. it didn't quite materialize yet. That's I mean, true. Still got time, but uh, yeah, that that kind of destroyed their season. They went to the NIT and lost to New Mexico and did not really. They did. And then they had well that. that and then they had that fight at the shoot around where the coaches were getting into it with the uh, yeah. New Mexico coaches. It was wild. Wild. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm with you. Not a good finish to the season, anyway. Well, I'm looking forward to tomorrow, and uh, gosh, I hope we get a I hope we get a good turnout. Me know? too. Me Just too. See what happens, Jim. Great call. Good to hear from you. Have fun tomorrow. Thanks. You, you too. It. All right. Bottom of the hour. We're going to get to a brand new Montwood head football coach, Ivan Ronhill, in a little bit. First, though, let's go to Adrian and get this bottom of the hour sports center update. As always, as we keep things moving, and I know, Adrian, you're excited about our next guest. I'm excited about our next guest. He is the brand-new head football coach at Montwood High. Ivan Ronhell is with us uh, here on the program. Coach, good to hear from you, and uh, congratulations on uh, such a great opportunity out there at Montwood. Uh, first and foremost, thank you for having me on, Steve. Thank you for having me on, Adrian. Uh, love the show, guys. Uh, uh, countless nights uh, driving out of here or, or any school, you know, and listening to you guys. Uh, you guys always do an outstanding job, and thank you so much. Uh, appreciate it. It's an honor to be the the new head coach at Malwood High School. Uh, looking forward to get to work. Oh, listen, I mean, what an opportunity. And here's the crazy thing, okay? Uh, less than 20 years ago, you were playing at Bel Air. Then you graduate, and uh, when you get into coaching, you work your way up the ladder. You go to middle school. You coach there. You get assistant jobs in high school. You're at Hanks. Uh, you're the defensive coordinator at Montwood. And then you get the opportunity when uh, Coach uh, Famaligi stepped down. I love it because, to me, you did exactly what uh, you know coaches should do. Is you spent a lot of time in the city. You've been at all different levels, and now, as uh, you deserve it, you get that opportunity to get your first head coaching job. Yes, sir. I appreciate that, uh, Stephen. And you know, it's a tough road because in college, there's no class that teaches you how to be a coach. And when you when you step onto a staff, you don't learn how to coach. You kind of do that through experience, and you know. 
you kind of see one guy doing it at the middle school and you think that's the right way to do it. But sometimes it's not the right way to do it, right? And so you move up to the next level, freshman, and you're doing things that, that you're told uh, without any manual, without any directive or, or guidance, and you're kind of figuring things out. And so you start to shape a little bit of what you are as a coach, your philosophy. Hey, you know what? I like what we do here. I don't like this. And you just kind of, you know, that with, along with uh, the guys that are around you start to shape your coaching style. And I think it's super important uh, for coaches now to, to kind of work their way up that, uh, that ladder because, you know, we, we see the Sean McVeighs, right, go from position coach to head coach. Well, what's in between? And, you know, and that's a huge, huge, huge part of the process. Uh, I'm a huge believer in process. Uh, and I, I'm so grateful and so just thankful that I got to go through that, you know, meet so many different coaches that kind of shaped my philosophy and made me into the man I am today. And I couldn't be uh, any more uh, thankful for them. And, and it's one of the coolest things uh, ever, you know, middle school to freshman to JV to coordinator to, to head coach, just awesome and outstanding. Coach uh, Adrian back here with Ariel Famaligi. He was somebody who raised the standard out at Montwood, uh, you know, over the se- the years that he was there. Uh, a 10 and 2 season back in 2017 is what he's highlighted by. You know, that was that district championship finale in such a tough district that year. Uh, and, you know, for somebody like you who worked under him, how much of an influence does he have on your coaching? And, uh, you know, what, what kind of impact did he leave on this program? You know, uh, Coach Famaligi is a great man. He is an outstanding man, an outstanding coach, one of the best coaches in El Paso, uh, one of the most knowledgeable guys you'll ever come across when it comes to football. Uh, he, you know, he, he, he has that, that presence where you have to raise your standard. You have to raise your game just because of who he is. His, his legend in this city is, is you know, it, it's huge. And, and the way... Uh, he was able to manage this program during his time here, you know, speaks volumes of him. Uh, coming in, taking over day one, winning those two district titles, um, and, and that bi-district title, and that, that just speaks volumes of him as a person and as a leader. Outstanding man. Um, you know, me, for me personally, you know, he's, hey, we've got to pay attention to the finer points. Get into the weeds. Leave no stone unturned. You know, get every single detail that we can about our opponent and make sure that we're, we're covered as best as we can, and we know everything we can uh, about the, the, the other team on Friday night. Ivan Ronhell, the new head coach of Montwood High, joining us here on Sports Talk. So in addition to Coach Fomaligi, who else shaped you as a coach and individuals that, that you really look up to uh, for what they were able to do to you for you and your career? Uh, well, first and foremost, it started playing um, coach, the, the late Coach Rick Soto. Uh, I, I considered him a, a father figure. Uh, he took a chance on me uh, as a sophomore at Bel Air playing some varsity football. Um, you know, got a chance to work with Coach Jesse Perales. I would say he's my biggest influence. Uh, Coach Jesse Perales, uh, now out at Naaman Forest. Um, you know, we were a part of six uh, district titles, four by district titles. Excuse me, uh, four district titles, six by district titles. Um, but he taught me about culture, about, you know, the discipline the hard work that it takes, the, the commu- uh, communication, the connections, the relationships, how the, the school operates around, uh, around the football program and how the, the community operates around the football program. He has been 
uh, a huge mentor uh, in this in, in this uh, part of my career. Uh, Coach Rudy Contreras also. I cut my teeth with him coaching JV football uh, at, at Del Valle, and we did a really good job those those four years we were together. Um, Coach Omar Garcia, the offensive coordinator at Hanks High School. Uh, you know, just the way he he learned under Aaron Price, and he was able to teach me the other side of the ball so that I can, you know, understand offense a little bit better as a defensive coordinator. Uh, Coach Kevin Butler, the defensive coordinator at, at Del Valle High School, uh, taught me everything about defense. Um, it's different playing than it is coaching, and he, he opened my eyes to a lot of things. Um, and then, uh, finally, Alfred Montes, uh, Stephen Montes' father. Uh, he was the past offensive coordinator at, at, at Del Valle High School, uh, and he taught me the little intricacies of quarterback play where the eyes go, you know, where, uh, what the reads are, and kind of giving me that, you know, that, that PhD in offense. And so that kind of shaped me a lot. Uh, and just the guys around here on staff that kind of make me, uh, make me want to be a better father, a better husband, a better teacher, because all these guys here are great guys. Coach, uh, I look at this roster from last year, and people might overlook Montwood, thinking, "Oh, well, they finished two and eight. But if they really understood what kind of a two and eight team this really was, they'd understand how talented you were from top to bottom. I think the thing that I'm most intrigued about this opening and this job that you just took is the fact that you have so many returning talents coming back next year. Isaiah Claudio, the running back. You have a star wide receiver Diego Oaxaca returning, uh, along with a ton of skill position players all across both sides of the, the ball, which is uh, probably a really encouraging thing moving into this season. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, Adrian, that's a fantastic question. So offensively, I believe we're returning nine of the 11 starters. That's outstanding. We had all, almost all juniors last year, uh, and, and uh, excuse me, eight out of the 11, our quarterback, our center, and our, our, our left tackle. Um, when, when, you, when you compound that, we're, we're, you know, we're looking for for a dynamic offense. We're looking to maintain uh, and even get uh, uh, stretched that even further. Our offense was super explosive, uh, very dynamic, very multiple, and the guys that we had were playmakers, uh, and all those guys come back. Uh, we can't forget Caleb Alvarez uh, on, uh, outside. Can't forget uh, Brandon Salcedo, our tight end. You know, uh, those guys uh, are, are, are playmakers. And we get back one of our receivers who broke his collarbone, uh, collarbone early on against San Angelo, uh, Gio Varela. I think he had that, he had 13 catches that game, something like that. And then broke his collarbone about midway through the, through the third quarter. Um, you know, defensively, uh, very open, you know, we struggled a little bit. We, we had a lot of seniors defensively, but we were still very young. And so what I mean by that, a lot of those seniors didn't get a lot of playing time as juniors, and their sophomore season was the COVID season. So they, they didn't have much football uh, since their freshman year, you know, and so that played a huge part. Uh, we do return uh, our two corners, uh, Josh Estrada and Cam Harrelson, uh, both outstanding all-district guys. Uh, we do return our entire defensive line. Uh, that's going to be big because we have to win the trenches. We have to win up front. And when we don't, we go to an eight. And so we need to be better there. And we're getting some young guys coming up at the linebacker level that are going to be just phenomenal. A lot of speed, uh, some physicality. And we're hoping that we, that we you know, make that, take, uh, make that turn and, and get full stride, stay full strength, stay healthy, 
and make a playoff push, a district push, uh, and see how far we can go. Coach, uh, I'm excited for you. We are excited. We think it's a, it's a terrific opportunity. Let's keep in touch and plan on coming back with us uh, in the fall before we start the season when we do our comprehensive preview of high school football so we can check in and see how things have progressed uh, over uh, the last six months. Uh, will do, of course. Like I said, I appreciate everything you guys do. Uh, your show is outstanding. Um, love you guys. Listen to you guys on the drive home almost every single day. Uh, thank you guys so much for having me on. Coach, well done. Appreciate you, and we'll talk soon again. Take care. Thanks, Coach. Likewise. Thank you, guys. All right, that's Coach Ivan Ronhill at uh, Montwood High. Love it. Love it. Terrific. Wish him the best, and uh, we'll keep things moving. Matter of fact, the Foss, 20 minutes away. Steve Foster will join us, give us his thoughts on the Cowboys and San Francisco, and uh, a whole lot more sports talk coming up right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk as we keep things moving with you on this Friday edition of the program, 505-6009. Hey, let's hand out some awards before we get to the FOSS uh, coming up here in our 5 o'clock hour to talk a little uh, little Cowboys football, as we always do with FOSS and getting ready to, to see FOSS. We're going to see FOSS and Chris Fernandez in a couple of weeks when we head out to Radio Row in Super Bowl, uh, what are we now, 52? Yeah, that's right. Lord. Love it. Love it, Steve. Uh, Time hey, flies. For, is that yeah. right? Is it, or is it 57? Wow. I mean, Probably 57, now right? Me. 57, I think. Now you're getting me. I, I'm not. I got to do this. I think it's 57. Search. I don't think it's 52. It's 57. Because the first Super Bowl was like in 66 or 67. So, yeah. I think it's 50, And it's 2023. Yeah, I think it's 57 right now. Okay. That sounds about right. So, um, give me... Uh, let's let's do some awards. Let's, let's first off, let's hand out after last night... Our wind supply of El Paso hot hand of the game. Yeah, this one was easy for us. Uh, Otis Frazier the third hat was six for six from the field last night. Uh, he made every single shot he attempted. The only two he missed were from the charity stripe, but he had 15 points yesterday, six rebounds, and four steals. He was on fire yesterday in 25 minutes of action only. Steve, really impressed by Otis Frazier the third. And it was maybe. I, I hope it's a sign of things to come from him don't you I yes I think he's probably maybe their third or fourth best player uh, behind probably Shamar Givens and Mario McKinney and maybe yep. Tay Hardy you throw those top three in the mix but man I'm just so impressed by Otis Frazier through the stretch we got to meet with him uh, just two days ago with uh, w- when he was meeting with the media and he was saying that kind of transitioning from that injury has been tough mentally yeah. but now he feels like he's catching his stride no, I'm happy he won good good to hear by the way our hot hand of the game brought to you by Wind Supply of El Paso you know, you can count on Wind Supply El Paso for top quality products, a fully stocked warehouse, excellent customer service. In fact, uh, they've been a premier uh, HVAC system supplier for over 50 years. And when you're talking about products like Champion Heating and Cooling, uh, along with Master Cool, Convair, and Ream, you understand why Wind Supply of El Paso is the difference. If you want to find uh, your nearest dealer, it's really simple. Just click the Find a Dealer tab at windsupplyelpaso.com and you'll be able to see which dealer is nearest you and you can set up an appointment and uh, what a perfect time to uh, to look to uh, convert to a refrigerated air system just in time for 2023. Alright, let's talk about our player of the game. Brought to you by Keith Southwest. Hey, you had a lot of 
choices here, didn't you? We really did. I mean, uh, you, you look at four minors scored in double figures yesterday. You had uh, almost the entire team score over five points yesterday as well. A lot of balance in scoring. Uh, and they scored 81 points, which UTEP doesn't do a lot, but it was largely due to their point guard, Shamar Givens. 15 points yesterday. He was a perfect four for four from the charity stripe as well. He also made a trio of three-pointers last night. Ten assists to just two turnovers. Love that assist-to-turnover ratio that we saw from uh, the young uh, you know, graduate transfer from Evansville. Uh, and for him, he also contributed with plus 29 efficiency. Wow. UTEP's most efficient player on the court yesterday. Thought he was an absolute floor general, and he's feeling himself right now. Shamar Givens playing his best basketball, maybe of his career, and uh, yeah, player of the game last night. So cool. So, so cool. By the way, uh, Keith Southwest uh, handles uh, metal stamping with just, uh, you know, so many products that are everyday products. Uh, you don't even realize it, but whether it's a, a hearing aid application, appliances, automotive applications, even electrical boxes, just everyday equipment like a garage door clip. Yep. Your clip could very well be made from Keats Southwest. If you would like to learn more, just go online to KeatsSW.com. That's KeatsSW.com, our UTEP Awards, which, by the way, we also hand out uh, during Minor Talk, presented by the Oscar Arrieta Allstate Agency. So uh, that's another great one. He said he didn't have a ton of calls yesterday. Did, did Ronnie call in? No, we didn't have Ronnie. We did have Hunter, who's a notorious caller. Yep. I, I would say, like, you know, a handful of calls last night, a lot of great tweets last night, but I think a lot of fans are saving it till Saturday. It's just like so? just like it was a week ago uh, when UTEP beat the likes of UTSA. Everybody was thrilled about that, but not a lot of calls. Everybody was looking toward Rice yep. and looking toward Charlotte. And after the Owls beat the Miners, oh, you you believe that we were uh, flooded with phone calls. So I think everybody's holding their breath until tomorrow. That's the big one. Number 24 coming into town. I believe it. Alright, when we come back, hour number two, the Foss will join us live. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. All right. You know the theme music. You know what this is all about as we get into hour two here on Sports Talk. Along with Adrian Broadus, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. We're going to see this man in a couple of weeks. Steve Foster. He will join us along with Chris Fernandez out there in uh, Phoenix. Radio Row, getting ready to uh, broadcast the show for the first time ever, live from Radio Row before uh, the big one, the big game, the Super Bowl, and uh, we say hello to the Foss for our weekly chat. Uh, Welcome back, Mr. Foster. Good to have you on the show. How are you? Man, I'm doing well. Sipping on gin and juice, baby. Yes, sir. Fired up. You know, I always get my little pregame, and I have to give uh, big ups to Adrian. He has made a lovely young lady and bride very happy. I know that she got a good one. He, like all of us, have outkicked our coverage. That's correct. And that is that is a good thing for us. Better be on the plus side, trending up. But yeah, man, uh, first time the Cowboys win on the road in, since 1992. That's a lot of decades. More than they should have uh, have to denote. And 600 ESPN El Paso, as you correctly stated, it is definitely going to be the 915 out in the 602. What were you doing 
uh, the last time the Dallas Cowboys won a road playoff game. Where were you? Studying in law school, my friend. That's pretty good. Were you at uh, at Nebraska at the time? Yes, sir. All right. Working for Dr. Tom Osborne. I was. I had already secured one championship ring, Big 8 championship from 1991. You still have it? Um, still have it. By the way, uh, what does that ring look like compared to the rings today? Much smaller. Much smaller. Um, you know, they denoted what what you needed to see. But over time, you know, I have a picture, Cappy, of the Astros 2017 World Championship Ring, uh, World Series Championship Ring, uh, from longstanding friend, very humble to be a part of that, uh, Reed Ryan, uh, oldest son of Nolan. And it was like stupid big. And the Super Bowl rings, uh, I have a picture of one of the Patriots rings. Uh, I wore one of my college teammates. I actually got to give a shout-out to my guy, number 22, Ted Fire. He helped build Patriots Place up in uh, Foxborough, Massachusetts, and he has been uh, with the organization through all six of their Super Bowl championships and has all six rings, and and they are very large. I bet they are. I bet they are. Hey, by the way, speaking of large, the Cowboys' margin of victory over the Buccaneers, the Bucks, very, very large last week. So large that it might have sent Tom Brady into retirement or at least exile away from Tampa when it's all said and done. We'll see how that goes. But what a performance. Uh, I'll ask you this question because I was asked this question earlier on our FM partner station when I sat in today. Do you believe, do you believe that the victory over Tampa has ensured Mike McCarthy at least one more year, no matter what happens Sunday in San Fran? It's interesting that you said at the end, no matter what happens in San Fran. Uh, actually, Santa Clara, I should say that, because technically they're playing in Santa Clara, not in San Francisco. South, okay, so, south yeah. of San Francisco. There you go. Uh, I think they can win. I think they're going to face a very tough San Francisco team. I think they can win. I think that Mike McCarthy does stay. I think uh, Mike McCarthy is showing that he can, whether, you know, people like it or not, they get all goofy about the kicker. At the end of the day, as Herm Edwards eloquently said, you play to win the game. You, You win the game, let's move on. Uh, if you saw a lot of inconsistencies in players, that's one thing. A bad day, what people try to say is you can't have a bad day. Everybody, if you go to their place of employment, has had a bad day in some form or fashion, every last one of us. And to be so critical when you're one of 32 and then you're one of eight, as the playoffs go along, you know, would you want to be judged by the same way? And, and and I don't like the fact that people say, well, I paid for my ticket and I'm a fan and I, yeah, but, but there should be some level of decency, common decency. It's so interesting how everybody could show their loving side when D Hamlin got hurt for the bills and then turn around 
and want to crucify the kicker when you won the game. If you lost the game, this fact pattern. As I said, I was in law school in 92 the last time they won a road playoff game. Sometimes you got to have a little mercy and grace to get you past and get you over the hump. If I told you they'd be losing the next three football games at halftime and win all three, including Super Bowl 57, no one would say a word. I'm going to tell you, people were bitching and moaning about Dusty Baker. You say what you want. He's getting sized for a ring. It doesn't work out as some storybook scenario. And even more so, Cappy, and you know this because you've covered sports for an extremely long period of time, it's hard to win. And it's hard to win all the time. And it's hard to win when you had dominance and then the whole world is trying to knock you off that pedestal. The top is a very small place because there's only one team or one person there. So it it comes very easy to get knocked off the top and stay down at a very, very comfortable bottom that has a lot of space. Foss, when it comes to this matchup, I know that we're, we're talking Cowboys and 49ers, but I want to shift to the other NFC matchup before we get into this one uh, with the Giants and the Eagles. First off, who, if you're the Cowboys, would you rather face, and then who do you think will actually win this matchup? I don't think it matters. I think both of these teams are playing well. Daniel Jones, I grabbed him in my fantasy league. Oh, he's starting to arrive because he's got better coaching. It's the same thing with Trevor Lawrence. It showed that Urban Meyer probably should stay in college. He was not a very good NFL coach. Uh, I think Dallas can beat either one of those teams because they go as far, and I said this, and I say this again, I say this, I say it, as far as their defense carries them. They play defense like they played against Tom Brady. And I don't know if the other teams have the lines to, to stop the pressure of the Dallas defensive line with Micah Parsons looming. And everybody talks about his matchup with, is it Trent Thomas, Trent whatever, the left tackle for San Fran? Yeah, Trent Williams, him, yeah. Trent Williams. Put him on the other side. I don't care if the rush comes in the face of the quarterback. You don't always have to come from the left tackle side so the quarterback's not seeing. I'd rather have the Purdy see Mike Parsons coming at him the entire way of the play, especially if he's got a lesser opponent to beat. And if you come from the other side, you may have to take CMC and make him chip at Micah and not get into the pass route as quick, which now takes away utilization of number 23 in the backfield. So, the defense, and I said it this whole year, is going to tell and dictate, along with Dak, how far this team goes. I'm with you on that. I think that's uh, very accurate. Although I will say this. Um, nobody expected Brock Purdy to have this kind of a run. I mean, nobody. Because he hasn't lost yet. You know, hasn't really faced that much adversity, all things uh, being considered. Right. He really hasn't. That's, and, that's right. You know. That's correct. So, and, and, and I'm going to tell you this, Cappy. At least twice... Uh, day, the clock strikes 12. That's true. That is true. So the question is, uh, in your mind, how do the Cowboys disrupt Brock Purdy and make him feel adversity for the first time? Okay. This is what I would do. I'd take Trayvon Diggs, and I'd stick him in the face of Debo Samuel. I'd move Micah Parsons around everywhere, 
I'd bring pressure, and I'd walk Wilson down or the gentleman who has my cousin. I'd put a nickel. I actually go nickel, and I'd have a corner. Your cover, your your nickel corner, spy McCaffrey, and then I would send Micah, and I would rush as much as I could. Have Vander Esch looking for Kittles coming across the middle, and rush. You don't have to not rock Purdy down. You don't have to sack Purdy. What you got to do is disrupt his timing, make him uncomfortable, make him very very uncomfortable, and. Now your plays don't go because they don't have the rhythm. When we lost to Odessa Permian, I don't know if John Brochu, our quarterback, got sacked, but Brett Hager and the Permian defense disrupted our offense's timing, which threw everything off. And I think Dallas has enough defense to do that and to get to Purdy. And like I said, the clock strikes 12 twice a day. So... It may be 11.45 out in Santa Clara, and they don't know it. Could be. Could, could be. All right. So when it's all said and done, Foss, uh, is this going to be a back-and-forth game that goes down to the wire? And if Brett Maher misses his first field goal or extra point attempt, will the Cowboys switch in Vizcaino at that point? No. No. Stop. We're working backwards. No. Leave Brett Maher alone. Again, you again make it sound like no one in the world can have a bad day. The problem is for folks that play on TV is you see it. There's doctors. The reason why they have medical malpractice attorneys is because there's doctors that F up all the time in doing surgeries. They're just not on CBS, ABC, or ESPN with a number and a name on the back of the schmucks. We'd be booing that doctor left and right. But you can't take a world-renowned orthopedic surgeon, and if something goes wrong with the knee, you throw him out. No. Okay, second question, which was your first. I think Dallas gets all up in San Francisco. It is back and forth. I believe, finally... Dak can get going to the championship game. Okay. That's that's all I had to hear. So that's good. That's good. Yep. 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 And and I was talking to the guy today because you know how folks are at the barbershop. I don't understand why people don't think Dallas has as many weapons as San Francisco. <laughs> I don't understand that. I would say if you look at quarterbacks' advantage, Dallas. If you're talking about running backs, I love CMC. But Tony Pollard and Zeke can, can you know, if that's an 8-9 matchup. Best one-two punch in the NFL. Right. You, 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 yeah. you, you still aren't outclassed by CMC completely with those two. Sure. Debo, CD. Ayuk, Gallup. Kittles, poor man's Kittle, Dalton Schultz, who's been doing a hell of a job. So I don't see when you want to talk about star power how much more. I don't know where people get their information from, but you got to break it down and look at it. And that's what we love to do. And I remember seeing people 
I don't know if Odessa Permian back in the day had more stars. They just played better as a team that day. They had one star in Britt Hager. We all know that. He's still the leading tackler in UT, and he played in the NFL. But no one else on his team. David Futrell played in the NFL for us, also as a national championship champion with BYU. But it's the team. And there's just as much bullets in the Dallas gun as there is in San Francisco. I think Dallas plays better on the road. They don't have to worry about the silliness at home sometimes. Who do you like in the Giants-Eagles game? You know, you know, I like to pull on my homer. I like to pull for Jalen Hurts since he's from Texas. But, but Daniel Jones has been playing well. Saquon showed up. Yep. I mean. That defense. Just, yep. You can't. You just. And look, man, my cousin Everson Walls won a Super Bowl and was on the cover of Sports Illustrated as a giant. He needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Put him in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He's the only man besides Ed Reed to lead the NFL in interceptions three seasons. Um, the Giants, you can't write them off. Uh, I, you know, if you said this four weeks ago, yeah, Philly, seeing the championship. But I think this game is more of a game than, than people will give it. I would love to see the NFC East, half of that we know, play in the NFC, in the NFC championship. I think that would be a wonderful statement about a division that turned themselves around in one season. I also think, uh, and I say this every year, okay, of these two teams that are on the bye week, normally, normally, one of them comes out, struggles mightily, and uh, oftentimes loses in the divisional game at home. And I don't know if I see that with Kansas City this week against Jacksonville, but I could see that with Philly this week against the Giants. You, you know, the Giants have gotten no res- They're like Eli. <laughs> Eli. Eli Manning has got no, gets no respect. He's got 50,000 passing yards, two Super Bowl rings. Oh, I don't know. I don't think he should be in the NFL Hall of Fame. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's a no effing brain. This, by the way, comes from uh, this comes from Baba Booey on Twitter. Is Foss in Vegas and drunk again? Just because Dallas was so great at Tampa, they still don't have an impressive run D. It's not going to be as easy as Foss thinks. Oh no, no, no! Foss didn't say it was going to be easy. Did I say that? If I if I did, Your Honor, listeners. I retract that statement. I didn't say that it would be easy. I just said they would be all over San Francisco. I didn't say it would be easy. Hey, people, I think hey by that, the way, people keep thinking you're tipsy today. Have you been drinking? I just said I was sipping on gin and juice, but no, no, no. But that's the song. No. That is the yeah. song. Yeah. So, because, but, yes. because, because I've been alerted that on Saturday, the one and only Snoop, B-O-double-G, will be playing during the Super Bowl. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. All right, very that's nice. Why, that's why I came in with the, with the gin and juice. That oh, was the reference. Sense. That makes sense. For, for him. You know I'm symbolic like that. I know. And by the way, we've been around Foss a lot, uh, folks, in Vegas. We were there for the draft party. Foss does not, and I mean this, he does not drink much alcohol, period, no, especially no. when he's on air. He never does. So, uh, no. no, Foss, I'm, I'm Foss is not tipsy. Man. Yeah. I'm, body, I'm body beautiful. There you go. Like it or not. I'm body beautiful. I'm not going to sit around and throw a bunch of beers. Hey, listen, and I, I'm not sponsored by them, but I like the Coors Yellow Bellies. I'm an old-school, traditional guy. I don't know anything about craft beers or IPAs. I, I go straight Coors Yellow Bellies, not Coors Light. If you ask me what to pick up for me, I'd have two of them at most, yeah. one and a half. 
and I'm good. Have you had Aikman's yeah. beer yet, that number eight lager? No, and do you know that John Riggins, I saw him at the Super Bowl, he has a a, a, a lager, number 44. Does he really? So, yeah. All right. Yes, he, he actually gave me a handout card. It was yellow and, and kind of that Washington reddish-brown. But uh, a very cool dude. Um, I cannot wait to kind of introduce 600 ESPN El Paso, you and Adrian, the radio row. I, I am very, 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 very excited that well, we all get to hang out there. How about, by the way, by the way, uh, laying down the law will be on from 12 to 2 on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So a special two-hour lunchtime live edition of Laying Down the Law from Radio Row. What should our listeners expect since most of them have never heard Laying Down the Law before? Uh, uh, Listen, so our intro music, and again, the symbolism is abound, is from Confunction. So I I had to go back to the 80s because we're products of the 80s. And the intro music is FFUN, which is known as fun. We have fun. We, uh, we, we you know, this is kind of a, a, a slice of the show. Um, can't wait to have y'all on. Can't wait to uh, have, uh, you know, I've already been told by one Larry Centers, uh, the, the great Cardinals and Buffalo Bills, he actually got his Super Bowl ring with the Patriots. Uh, he'll be out there joining us. He's got a bunch of NFL buddies. He said that he would like to have come on the show and the shows. So it's just going to be star power, Super Bowl, extraordinary style doing the 915. We're going to leave a mark. Right. We're going to leave a mark. By the way, uh, great job as always, Foss. Uh, we appreciate you stopping in, giving us the lowdown, and hopefully we're talking about the uh, NFC Championship game for the Cowboys next week. Yeah, just take them one at a time. They've got a real good chance. Uh, no, it's not a walk in the park. Uh, but I think they are going to be on because uh, the defense has got to lead this team, and they have to put pressure on Purdy. They have to stop McCaffrey. They probably spy him a little bit. They can put this disruption of that offense uh, uh, enough times, and then just that just don't wake up from the dream, baby. We want to see you in pads in Glendale. Good stuff. All right, Foss. We'll talk to you then. Take care. Have a good weekend. All right, fellas. Much love. Steve Foster, uh, every Friday with us here on Sports Talk. We'll take a timeout, come back after uh, Charlie One, plenty more. Sports Center coming up as well here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Man, we have so much good old classic rush that we play on this show. Making memories, for those of you wondering, this song. Man, good stuff as we continue here on Sports Talk. 505. 505- 6009. That is our telephone number to get into the show. If you're just joining us, well, Steve Foster gave us his thoughts on the Cowboys and the Giants game. Still can't believe Lane picked against the Giants last week, uh, yesterday on the show. I actually picked the Giants. I think they are going to beat the Eagles. I think it's going to be a good football game. Yeah, it's going to be tremendous, Steve. I, I just feel like the way—I mean, this is a Giants team last year that won what 
uh, four games at most. I mean, they, they were a horrible team. They were the, one of the doormats of the entire NFL last year and just how bad they were. And, uh, you know, they were actually 4-13 and 13 last year. They only had two free agents to multi-year deals, and their highest-paid offensive player, uh, Darius Slayton, had only six catches in the regular season. And that yet they're still at this point. Um, do you get any kind of like 2011 or 2007 New York Giants vibes from this current team? No, not no? really. No. I mean, it was just a different kind of team. And I think, you know what the funny thing is? So Eli wins two Super Bowls, right? And, you know, he was never great. He just came through with big play after big play in the postseason those two years. But, you know, Daniel Jones is playing better than he has since he's been a giant. Like, if you really look at his performance over the last four or five weeks, he's been really, really good for them. Really good. Yeah, I'm impressed with his ground game. I think that's the part that he's really expanded upon under uh, the, their first-year head coach and Brian Dable. I feel like with that run game, it, it allows or it makes defenses keep him honest. Like You have to have that edge rusher or that linebacker have be kind of a spy against Daniel Jones because if he doesn't find his targets, he can run and, and really uh, be effective on the ground with what he could do. And I, I feel like he's on, on you know, almost a better running back than what we see from guys like Josh Allen at times because Josh Allen might be a little bit more reckless. Daniel Jones is uh, very conservative but also effective in how he runs the football. Well, the funny thing is this, okay? Um, You know, he... So he had a big passing game in that loss to Minnesota uh, back on uh, Christmas Eve. They lost 27-24. He was 30-42 for 334 yards, a touchdown and a pick. But then, like... You know, you look at his other performances, and when they beat Washington, 21 out of 32, 160 yards, um, no touchdowns. But then, in that same game, you know, he, he has uh, 10 rushes and, and, and runs the ball. Um, he ran the ball 11 times for 91 yards against the Colts. He ran the ball 17 times for 78 yards in that win over uh, Minnesota. He had two touchdowns on the ground uh, against the Colts. So... I mean, that's the key right now is you wonder. You know, he can he can beat you with his legs. And, and I'm not saying he's he's Jalen Hurts because he's not. You know, Jalen Hurts is one of the best quarterbacks in the game right now. But Daniel Jones is, is playing good football. And he's only – here's the key, okay? He has only thrown one pick his last five games. One interception. That's a big-time stat right there. Yeah, it's very significant looking at this one right here. The Eagles love to turn people over. They've got some of the top-name corners you're going to find. I mean, uh, you, you look at Slay and what he's been able to do in that uh, back, you know, the defensive backfield. It's very impressive with that Philadelphia defense. And I, I just feel like for the Giants, playing spirited right now, coming off an emotional victory against the Vikings the way that they did, uh, they've got momentum on their side. The way they closed out the year, despite that late-season loss to the Eagles, which no one played in, uh, I feel like this is a time when a lot of these star players, like Saquon Barkley, like Kayvon Thibodeau, and you know maybe even Daniel Jones, those guys can kind of write their own narrative into the postseason as to how great this team could really be. If you want to talk about the weekend uh, in, in the NFL, we'd love to hear from you. Give me your thoughts on all four games. 
505-6009. As we continue here on Sports Talk, that's 505-6009. Let's go right now to Adrian. Speaking of Mr. Broadus, he's back, and he has a, a bottom-of-the-hour Sports Center update as we hit the middle of the show here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Adrian, nicely done. we got two calls ready to go. We're going to talk some football right now. I'm excited about that. 505-6009, our telephone number. Let's go right now to Enrique. He joins us first. Enrique, welcome aboard. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Cap, how are you doing? How are you doing? You ready for the weekend? Yeah, I can't wait for the weekend, Enrique. It's going to be awesome. Absolutely awesome. I can't wait, too. I'm a little nervous, but we'll see what happens. I hear you. I, 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 now, are you nervous about the UTEP game, or are you nervous about the Cowboy game? Yeah, I'd love to see both of them win. You know, anytime our miners do good, it's good not just for our school but the city. It's so true. It's so true. Same with the Cowboys. I mean, when the Cowboys win, it just seems like everybody is is more at ease around here. So I agree with that. Yeah, I, I do too. It's uh, big. Nah, it's, it's it's exactly right. Steelers and Niners. Enrique, we're losing you. Uh, unfortunately, your phone is, uh, is 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 going in and out. Let's see if we can try that again, Enrique. Go ahead. All right, Enrique, call me back when you're in a better area. We'll get you back, and I'd love to uh, continue that conversation where we left off. Mondo is uh, joining us next uh, here on Sports Talk, thirty-five past the hour. What's going on, Mondo? How are you? Hey, how are you? How are you guys doing? Hey, we're doing well. Thanks for calling in. Appreciate it. All right. I hope I don't break up either. I'm. Uh... I'm out here in the far east, northeast side of town. Okay, no worries. Give it a shot. Hey, well, no, I just wanted to kind of pick up the, the, the game, the conversation where I left off a couple of weeks ago concerning the Cowboys. We had just had one of the most, one of the most devastating losses, uh, being 14 points ahead, and, and we lost that and lost the game. Then we came back and just beat the crap out of the the Bucks last week. So it, yep. it's a uh, a little bit uh, bipolar, I would say. You know, I'm hoping that we're all taking our Mylar this weekend, Sunday, <laughs> and uh, we stay steady and stable, and boom, we kick the, the crap out of the winers. Gosh, you do that? That would be a huge statement. You go into San, you know, you go into Santa Clara and beat the 49ers. That's a that would be a monster, monster performance for the Cowboys. Then I think fans are going to start believing about Super Bowl. Yeah, I hope so, and I hope that's the way it goes. I want to I want to uh, thank that pretty boy uh, for the for the whiners a couple of times and then maybe that'll settle him down and realize he's in the NFL now. Yep, you want to put you want to put Brock Purdy in his place, right? That's right, man. Put him in the vice and don't let him go. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. Should be fun. It's going to be up to Lawrence. It's going to be up to Lawrence and Parsons to get that job done. Once we isolate that guy that way, I think we we've, we've got it in the bag. Looking forward to it. Mondo, great job. Thanks for the call. Appreciate you waiting with us. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Have a good weekend. Let's get Enrique back. He's with us again. Let's see if the phone works better this time. All right, Enrique, let's try this again. Yeah, sorry. I was, I was driving down the border highway. It can do it to you. That, the border highway, it can do it to you every time, but uh, you sound better now. Let's give it a shot. Okay, cool. Um, I want to say I'm nervous about the Cowboy game because uh, it's just that that San Francisco offense, you know, they got that combo package with Purdy and McCaffrey. I just think that McCaffrey would come back as ways he did playing with San Francisco. And But to be honest, I think the, the thing that works for the Cowboys the most is they have a better resume. 
you look at their team, you look at the way they competed, they have a better resume, but the biggest thing that you, that hurts them is turnovers. That's true. Um, when they turn the ball over, it's a mess. So that's part of the reason why they played so well against Tampa. They didn't turn the ball over. In fact, uh, they they were able to to get it done on the other side of the ball, which is what made it so big. I thought that when Brady threw that pick in the end zone, when he was taking them down, they were I think they were down by two touchdowns, and it looked like Brady was or ten nothing. Brady was driving, and uh, no, it was twelve nothing because he missed the extra points. And then all of a sudden, he throws that pick in the end zone. That absolutely took the wind out of Tampa's sails in that game. Oh, yeah, I agree. Uh, you can tell how upset he was. I haven't seen him that upset since the first year he was playing with the, the Tampa Bay. Um, but I think uh, San Francisco's a good team. But if you look at their last uh, eight, nine wins that they had consecutive, only three of them were playoff teams. So that's why I say Dallas has a better resume. Well, they play in a better division. And ultimately, the NFC East, look what, you know, proof is in the pudding. They've got three teams left in the divisional round. Nobody's like that right now. Nobody. So, I'm with you. Enrique, good thoughts. Uh, good good comments. Appreciate the call. Give me your, your take on Enrique. Yeah, it's really interesting that, you know, he brings this up. Uh, I, I just feel like there are so many factors going into this week, but if you're able to channel that same defense that was uh, displayed in that Bucks game and that victory that you had, that's what's going to be the driving force for the Cowboys moving forward. And it can't be any of those mistakes that we've seen in years past by the Cowboys, or in even games past. Remember, Cavante uh, Turpin, just two games ago, fumbled or muffs that punch. Yep. So you, you can't have those simple mistakes happen. Any of those turnovers happen, and it could be critical in a matchup like this. It's a good way to look at it. Let's go to Carlos. He's next. He wants to talk about a big, big AFC game uh, this weekend. What's up, Carlos? Hey, man, you know what? Uh, everybody, I know everybody is talking about the Cowboys right now and all that, but man, that Cincinnati game is going to be a big game, and I think they got, they, got, they got screwed, man, by the NFL because I think they could have had the second seed, man, and they'd be playing right now in Cincinnati in that game. I mean, my respects to, to, to DeMar Hamlin and everything, you know, we wish him well, all that. But, you know, I, I just think they got the short end of the stick on that, man. Yep. And I think, you know, being in Cincinnati, they probably would they, probably, they probably have a better chance of winning because, uh, you know, uh, I heard, I was listening earlier, and this guy said that uh, uh, Josh Allen is 3-0 and in the playoffs when he plays at home. So, I mean, playing at home is a big deal, man. And I, and I think well, it, uh, Cincinnati got screwed on that. Here's my question, okay? They're going to yeah. be without uh, Jonah Williams and Alex Kappa. So those are two offensive linemen. You're losing your left tackle. You're losing your right guard. And you also lost uh, Lyle Collins since week 16 with that torn ACL in his left knee. So that means you've got three reserve offensive linemen trying to keep Joe Burrow upright against that Buffalo D. That's a very, very big storyline heading into this game. No, And I understand that, and that's exactly why we need everything we can get on that, you know? Yep. Because, yeah, you know, I mean, the, the offense has been, the past couple games has been a little stagnant. Defense has come through for them, you know, and, and you can't do that against the Bills. So that's what I'm saying. I mean, that, that home field advantage is, is going to be de- uh, the, de- the 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 detrimental factor in that win, I think. Well, you know what? I like Joe Mixon's attitude. Joe Mixon is ready to go to Buffalo and just beat up the Bills. He is upset. Well, you know what? He feels disrespected. Well, he feels disgraced. Hopefully the rest of the team feels that way, too. 
And you know what? That's exactly what we're used to. You know, the, the Bengals we get that all the time. So you know, we're 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 used to it. So we're probably will go out there and take care of business, man. Man, I like the fact that you're a <laughs> Bengals fan in El Paso, Carlos. That's pretty oh, cool. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. How far do you? How far do you go back? Do you go back to the uh, uh, the Kenny Anderson days? How far back what? do you go? Since the 49ers beat him, man, I was I was uh, about seven years old. And that was the first Super Bowl I ever saw. Okay, and I felt so bad for them. That they stayed in my in my in my heart, you know. So that was oh, Kenny. Man. That was Kenny Anderson. You're back in the Chris Collinsworth era. I like that. Yeah, man. Yeah, that was right. the first Super Bowl I ever saw, right there. Very nice. That Good. was heartbreaking. Okay, <laughs> Carlos, great job. Thanks for the call. Great takes. All right, see you later, man. Bye. Appreciate that. Hey, our listeners are bringing it yeah. today. And I, I get the excitement, right? This is the best time of year. This is the divisional round of the playoffs. A lot of teams are still alive. Uh, in favor for the Bengals, which I'm, I'm taking Cincinnati on the road in this matchup. I'm really looking forward to it. Wow. Uh, I like Joe Burrow as the second best quarterback of anybody else in the playoffs still remaining. And uh, no knock to Josh Allen. I still love him as a quarterback, but I think Burrow gives you something different. Uh, here's a stat that you could definitely uh, take into Sunday's game. Since week 15, the Bengals have faced five straight games against top 10 defenses. And then since week nine, the Bills have played seven games against bottom 10 offenses across the league. So if we're really talking about this Bills defense putting a lot of pressure against a depleted offensive line that Cincinnati has... I would have looked to last week as the big defensive game. I mean, yeah. Baltimore maybe had the best defense going in the playoffs, and the Bengals, they scored points. They they found ways to score, and I think that's all Cincinnati's going to have to figure out on Sunday uh, against this tough Bills team. I'm worried about the offensive line. I yeah. am. I am worried. When you're losing three-fifths of your offensive line, that's tough. That is tough. I get it. Yeah, and Jonah Williams is the best guy on their offensive line. He is. We're going to come back. We're going to wrap up Hour 2. Stay with us uh, more in a moment, including uh, Joe Golding. We'll hear from UTEP's head coach next on 600 ESPN El Paso. The 6, Sports Talk continues. Last night, after the game, Joe Golding met the media. Here's what he had to say about uh, tomorrow night's big one against FAU. Talking about, here's the deal. Um, we got a top 25 team coming into town, right? Uh, they're really, really good. Great coaching staff. Uh, Dusty's done an incredible job. Their team is stuck together. Uh, they're 18-1, whatever it is, for a reason. Uh, they're undefeated in conference play. They're really, really good. But we haven't, we haven't beaten a top 25 team in El Paso or at the dawn since 2001, right? And I'm no math major, but that's, that's a long time, right? And you hear a lot around town about scheduling and bringing in a point. Well, here we go. Right? Saturday night, 7 o'clock, um, we got a chance, right, to pack this place, to get this thing rowdy, to, to bring this thing back to life. We, uh, we have a hell of an opportunity, right? Um, and so our players need our fans. I need our fans. Uh, we, we need them. We, we, need this, we need this thing um, to be loud. We need it to be uh, uh, early. We, uh, you know, they, they keep telling all the time, utepminers.com, right? Get tickets, uh, but come on, bring the family. Uh, it's going to be a heck of a game. I know our guys will compete. Uh, we're going to play hard, uh, but again, we're playing a really, really good team. And when you do this, what makes sometimes a difference is the crowd. And we need everybody to come, be loud, stand up. Uh, this is it. We talked about our press conference. Here we go, man. Top 25 team coming to our place. Um, and we need the crowd to rally and, and the crowd to support. Joe Golding did everything but beg people to uh, to go tomorrow to watch his team play uh, nationally ranked FAU. That's exactly right. I feel like uh, the the uh, 
the encouragement was there. He's excited about this one. He's fired up, and I, and understandably so. This is such a huge one for so many minor fans to have an opportunity to watch, and uh, it's it's going to be an excellent matchup between FAU and UTEP. What we've known all year long is when it when the minors have competition coming in that are obviously better than them, they always play up to their competition. This is that kind of team, and maybe they they uh, you know they're going to go in tomorrow as the underdogs, undoubtedly, but. Still, I, I feel like for this matchup for UTEP, it's an unbelievable opportunity. Could springboard them the rest of the year. You realize that, right? This this could make their season if they take advantage of it. Hey, I'm I'm going to ask you this, and I'm really not joking about this. If UTEP wins tomorrow, do fans storm the court? There won't be that many fans to storm the court, you know. But that's no. true. Yeah, no, they won't storm the ranked court. Uh, ranked opponent. Yeah, I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. Okay? Nah, I don't think so. Okay, well, I'm going to set the standard right there. Don't storm the court. This isn't beating number eight in the country, Florida Atlantic. This is 24th in the country. Listen, despite the fact that they're ranked, it's Florida Atlantic. Like, no, they're not. You're not. You're not playing Arizona. You're not playing Kansas, but you are playing an 18 and one basketball team right now. That's ranked 24th in the country. So that's a big deal. Although I'll say this, if if it's a dramatic win, I could see them storm the court. Yeah. Okay. A little buzzer beater or something like that, or just a close nail biting finish. I could definitely see that. And uh, you know, another thing is uh, they need a big student section. You know, Joe that's Golding. what I was going to ask you because yeah. if they storm the court. It's not going to be a bunch of 60- and 70-year-olds going all crazy. So right. it would be the youngsters. So will we see a big student section tomorrow night for FAU? Because this is right up the student's alley. It really is. Yeah, they definitely should try to get as many students there as possible. Uh, yesterday they had prospective or incoming students, I should say. Tyrone McDuffie from Parkland was there, along with some other UTEP player or UTEP commits who are either making a visit or some were prospective UTEP students and had uh, are uh, you know hoping to make the football team at some point. But they were there last night. So uh, you know Tyrone McDuffie was telling us yesterday that he's got tickets for tomorrow's game as well. Good, courtesy of uh, head coach Dana Dimmel, who's giving it to these uh, these guys. I'm hoping they really have a lot of students, aren't you? Yeah, I do. I, I mean, this is the matchup. If you're a student out, out there, like Joe Golding has said, always uh, you know asking for quality opponents, this is the most uh, quality opponent you could ask for right oh, now. Oh, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. And by the way, speaking of quality, we're going to learn about FAU uh, coming up in our final hour because, yeah, I'm excited. Zach Weinberger is going to join us. He is an FAU sports writer who also covers the Dolphins and wrestling. They're like the greatest three ever. So we're going to have Zach on the show. We'll ask him about what to expect. So that's all coming up. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, here we go. Final hour of Sports Talk along with Adrian Broadus. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. I'm looking forward to getting Zach Weinberger back on the show this hour, aren't you? Yes, Steve. Uh, what a uh, FAU Owls team he'll be able to tell us about. They are ranked 24th in the country, and they come to town tomorrow to take on the Miners. He writes for one of my favorite papers, the Palm Beach Post. Joins us here on Sports Talk as we continue. Welcome back to the show, Zach. How you been? I've been doing great, man. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Not as well as you. I mean, let's be honest. You had that, <laughs> you had that great Dolphins run to co- to cover this year, and now, I mean, nobody saw this coming. I don't listen. You graduated from FAU a couple years ago. I get that, but you can't tell me that in your wildest fantasies, you could have ever envisioned 
an 18-1 FAU Owls basketball team that's currently nationally ranked heading into this game tomorrow here against UTEP? Listen, um, I don't want to be the guy that's like, of course I knew this was coming. I didn't expect them to be 24th ranked in the country by this time of the year. I did expect a huge step up from last season. You look at the way Dusty May coaches these guys, the rising talents in the guys like Elijah Martin and Brian Greenlee, Vlad Golden, uh, Giancarlo Rosado, and you mix in the, the veterans like Michael Forrest. And it, it, it just seemed like a recipe for success going into the next season. So I, I obviously I'm surprised that they're ranked you know, for the first time in program's history. But, you know, it was to be expected at, at some point. And obviously, uh, again, on a 17-game winning streak, it's really, really impressive to say the least. Well, listen, you're in the minority because this basketball team was picked Fifth out of 11 before the season started. Mm-hmm. Fifth, okay? So if they were top three, I would tell you, yeah, you know what? Everybody else knew it. But nobody really thought it. They, they all saw this. I, I guarantee you this. They probably figured FAU, eh, you know, 16, 17, 18 wins this year. Maybe they, uh, you know, maybe they're, they, they've got a winning record in Conference USA. They're playing well, but come on. I mean, this, this has been, uh, a, a, you know, a, a great story. Because I think this uh, this team has had, had caught a lot of people off guard, especially those that have followed FAU over the years here in Conference USA. Well, absolutely. You know, I, when they did upset and get, when they went to Gainesville, the upset of Florida, it was obviously just it was a huge sign of the times where they played a lot of good teams last season. Fell a little bit close. They still remember the game in Boca when they faced the Hurricanes. They lost by two by the end. You're expecting a big upset win to come. And we got that with Florida, but no one really expected for them to win 16 straight games right after that. And, and again, I just think it's just a testament to what Dusty May is doing and the way his team does play, the depth of the team, uh, how the starting lineup is a lot of superstar play. Again, Elijah Martin, we saw this a glimpse of this superstardom last season. He's showing it again. But he, he just, it, it, again, like I said before, the recipe for success is there. And obviously, even though they are 24th ranked in the country, they're probably obviously favored to beat uh, UTEP. You can never look ahead a conference game. You know, obviously, a no good so far, but you can't you can't look past uh, UTEP here. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, they got balance. That's the one thing. You know, you talk a lot about Elijah Martin. Well, yeah. they, they've got you know they've got Davis also at the guard spot, along with oh, yeah. uh, Michael Forrest and Nicholas Boyd. And then you got that big Vladislav Golden right in the middle. I mean, I like the group. You know, they don't have like a superstar who's dropping twenty twenty five a game, but they've got balance top to bottom, and and they're and and they, and they know how to win. They look at how many close games they've been in these last few weeks. And, and that's what impresses me the most is, you know, they're they're in a tight game against FIU. They win by four in overtime. They come back. They beat North uh, Texas a couple of days later by four. They got by Charlotte by four. Like, they beat UAB by two. They're winning all those close games. Unlike UTEP, which prior to beating Charlotte, they were on the losing end of five games by 15 points. Mm-hmm. You, you kind of just kind of just alluded to it just then, but I think the what FAU really struggled with the past couple of years under Dusty May was sort of getting a lead early and not keeping it. They're doing that, but they're also finding other ways to win basketball games, and to me that just separates a good team from a great team. FAU's been a good team, 
but they're a great team this season because they're finding different ways and using these different players. You mentioned the whole, you know, they don't have a superstar, even though I think Martin's close to it, but, you know, obviously not dropping like 20 a game and stuff like that. But uh, as you can see, they, 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 they don't really need it. They have, they have too many guys to work with, and uh, it just, it, it's been a wonder. Hey, uh, Zach, how does Dusty May continue to get players to commit to his program and stay within their roster year after year? Because I'm looking, you know, three years back, Michael Forrest was playing the minors uh, three year, you know, two, three years ago. And that's impressive to know that UTEP uh, fans have a lot of familiarity when FAU comes to town tomorrow knowing, hey, these guys are bought into this team and it's a lot of continuity over the roster year after year. Well, you know, he, again, like you said, like year after year, I just think Dustin May just has the right mindset for these players, and he's just a guy you want to play for. I mean, I, that's kind of the the regular talk you hear from everybody about a coach, but it's just true. I mean, even just the times where where I'm interviewing him and the past couple of seasons, it's just like you get just fired up listening to him talk, listening to how he talks about the players. He treats every single one like it's like it's his kid. I mean, it's working, and and. The, the fact, and he also has a keen eye for recruiting, and I, obviously all the credit as well goes to him and his staff. Um, just kind of finding these players, diamonds in the rough, like in like finding Elijah Martin, who played quarterback at high school, and then you know obviously showing his uh, basketball skills now. So uh, Dusty May just has an eye for everything basketball, you know. So it's it's been very imp- very impressive to watch. And again, like I said, like still surprising, twenty fourth ranked in the country, but you just expected a lot more success this year than in previous years. Uh, Zach Weinberg joins us here on Sports Talk, uh, covers uh, FAU for the Palm Beach Post as uh, we continue here on the show. Um, What about NIL? I always wonder about that because now that schools are getting creative, uh, a lot of them are finding ways to, uh, let's just not sugarcoat it, buy talent. it's, It's just the reality of what college athletics is turning into. Has FAU been able to put together a pretty solid uh, NIL program for basketball and you know are they starting to see uh, you know reaping the benefits with that uh, this season or is this just just a carryover of a good young team that's stuck together I think it's I definitely think it's a carryover but I definitely have seen uh, more so of the main players at, at FAU from for the men's basketball team kind of posting on their Instagram more about local places than really national places we kind of saw Nikosi Perry uh, on the football team from last year, it gets some of those deals, and uh, I think recently at the uh, the Florida Panthers are sponsoring women's athletics as well for FAU. So we're seeing a lot more, and is going to definitely going to creep into basketball, especially because of the success. It, it, it's just going to come, you know, especially with the, the younger players coming in here. Um, but I know recently FAU did a uh, a deal to kind of help with an NIL for like a database for FAU. So I think like it might not be so present now, but. It's it's going to be booming, uh, definitely as the season rolls on, and especially heading into next season. Because whether what happens with the rest of the season with FAU, I mean, this is a team to look out for each season, and that's why it's it, again, it's it's great that Dusty May has been doing this. Zach, uh, when it comes to this league itself, we've we've talked about uh, the quality of Conference USA basketball and how it's improved this year. Obviously, I mean, mm-hmm. a ranked team is a perfect reason uh, you know you could look at that. However, you look at some of the bracketologists out there right now, and they are still saying Conference USA is a one bid league. There have been coaches who've argued that maybe multiple teams can get into the conference uh, into the NCAA tournament, but I would point out last year's North Texas. 
Texas team who won 14 in a row, lost to the Miners in the final game of the year, lost in the uh, Conference USA tournament, and wasn't even selected to the NIT as probably a reason as to why Conference USA wouldn't be a multi-bid league. How do, how do you view this? Uh, I mean, to, I mean, I think it's ridiculous. I mean, for me, again, again, it's just personal opinion. I, I definitely think if you know, Conference USA is a two-bid league for sure. Um, and even besides FAU, you see a lot of teams in Conference USA doing having a lot of success here. And yeah, you know, I just I, I feel like Conference USA has always been the league. I feel whether it comes to football or basketball, that people don't pay attention to that much, which is why you know it's such a big deal that FAU and, and the other universities are moving up to the AAC. But uh, I feel like Conference USA basketball is underrated, you know, and it's obviously a very fun. A conference to watch. I feel like people never really talk about it at all. So, yeah, my opinion. I think that's uh, absurd. In my opinion, I you know we should be seeing a, a two two bid league for Conference USA, it, it, without a doubt in my mind. I, I I completely agree with that. And by the way, um, you know we just saw FIU yesterday. The Miners destroyed them pretty uh, pretty handily. Um, what's it going to be like when FAU moves to the American Athletic and um, FIU stays in Conference USA? Are there going to be a lot of upset people since that short little rivalry with Miami and Boca kind of goes away as far as conference play? Yeah, you know, obviously uh, there really hasn't been a deal when it comes to basketball like there was with football and the Shula Bowl kind of staying for the next three or four years. And uh, I, There's definitely be some upset people um, because even – with the Shul Bowl and football, it's like you look at the football, it's like it really wasn't that much of a competition in the past like three or four seasons. With basketball, it's always been competitive. So uh, I think they should always find a way to keep it, you know. Um, but again, it's, I feel like people, when it comes to the AAC, people are be like, well, the new rivalry is FAU and USF. I feel like people are always looking at that. But I, I feel like tradition in college sports and college athletics, uh, to me, it's really awesome. And for, for the fan experience, uh, it's lively. So for, for me, it's like, yeah, I think. Uh, it, hopefully they they find a way to keep that going, but uh, I guess we'll see. Zach Weinberger with us uh, here on Sports Talk as we continue. Are, are you traveling? Are you in El Paso for this game, or are you going to be uh, back at home in, in Miami? So I'm actually back here in Miami. I actually was just in Austin uh, of Texas visiting, and I was thinking of possibly going to uh, the UTSA game and UTEP game, but things just didn't <laughs> just pan out. But, yeah, but back, back in Miami. Okay. I was hoping that the uh, Palm Beach poach would say to you, you know what? Hey, this team is hot right now. Stay on the road with them. Oh, yeah. You know, get uh, get the latest. But now you don't have to. I mean, it's listen. We're in the internet age. You can you can do everything so easily uh, online versus uh, the way it used to be back in the old days. So I, I get it. I understand that. Um, mm-hmm. We've talked about this team a little bit. Tell me what they're like defensively. What should the miners expect to see from FAU defensively tomorrow night? Well, I, I feel like what we've seen the past couple seasons from Dusty May's FAU uh, basketball team, and what we've seen a lot this season is just. It's just they're aggressive, you know, and that might be just a simple thing to say about them. But I, I, teams have not been ready for what uh, Coach May and the squad really has thrown at a lot of teams, you know. And we, you mentioned the word balance before, and I, I again, I think this this team is a two way team. I mean, they, they when it comes to every statistical category in Conference USA, FAU is pretty much close to the top, if not the top. So just expect a, a very opportunistic defense here uh, for, from FAU. And, again, that's just kind of like one of the identities that Coach May likes to throw at them. So um, Utah definitely needs to be prepared. And, obviously, 24th ranked in the country, uh, um, they've they, they got to be ready.
Uh, Zach, one of the key stats to know is uh, FAU is one of the best rebounding teams you're going to find in the country. I think they're 15th right now in rebound margin. Uh, Miners have prided themselves over the last few games of actually uh, beating teams off the glass. How big of a matchup will that be in your opinion? Uh, very big. Uh, I'll, I'll touch on the rebounding. There's another part of that play that will be huge, too. But you look at Vlad Golden, you look at Giancarlo Rosado, you look at the bigs that they do got, uh, how much of an improvement from last season it has been. And like you said, one of the better rebounding teams in the conference and in the country. And another thing I think that UTEP will struggle, in my opinion, to kind of match up with is I think that the statistic right now is that FAU leads the country in bench points. It just, it just goes back to the depth, you know, that FAU just has over any Conference USA team and a lot of teams in the country is that the, the, the fire streak that starts the game for FAU doesn't really stop when you take out Elijah Martin and Mike Forrest and Golden and stuff like that. So UTEP's got to be ready. They've they got to throw a lot of uh, – ho- hopefully get, you really have to get a fast start here if, if you're UTEP. you really got to slow them down. But, again, FAU has won in so many ways – it's just it's gonna be it's gonna be rough for, for UTEP to, to you know to at least stall them a little bit. But again, uh, conference games are tough. So obviously, I've seen surprising things happen. I'll say this, okay? I don't know how many UTEP games you've watched this year, but when it comes to mm-hmm. this team on defense, they are as relentless as any basketball team we've seen in a while. I mean, we all know that you know they, they, the games they lost wasn't because of defensive effort. It was because of free throws and turnovers, and they've kind of uh, fixed uh, those two aspects a little bit more over these last couple of games, although free throws are still a bit of an issue. But defensively, <clears throat> they are absolutely uh, an in-your-face kind of team. They force turnovers. Uh, they, they, don't, they don't give up on plays. They don't stop. And I don't know if FAU will have seen a defensive performance like what they're going to get tomorrow night against the Miners. You know, and I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head there. I feel like this is a must-watch game for that sort of reason where I feel like both of these teams have been very relentless. And from the UTEP games that I have watched this season, uh, that just sort of stands out right from the get-go. So that's why I think for, it's going to be an interesting test for FAU. And obviously every game is a new test for you know for the team. Um but still, I, to me, if for Conference USA fans, for just college basketball fans, I, I think that this is a must-watch game for that for that reason. Um, and again, I think that UTEP, whether they're not as successful at FAU or not, uh, that's why one of, that's one of the reasons why you can't look past this team. This team is just not going to uh, just bow down and just let you win. Obviously, it's not like every team is like that. So they're going to be relentless. But FAU is relentless too on, on both sides. So. It's it's really going to be a fun game. I think a closer game than people might expect, but a fun game nonetheless. Zach, last question for me. How has this team sure. handled their success? Um, you know, you get nationally ranked and everybody's talking about you. That can go a lot of ways. So you tell me, how has the, the team really been able to deal with all of the hype that they've been getting here in recent weeks as they built up this winning streak? Well, just kind of touching on that, like when they beat – Western Kentucky, the, the day that they got ranked that morning, uh, it really just didn't phase them, you know? And I feel like that's kind of the mindset that May, and to me that's kind of what the answer is, in my opinion, just Coach May and the coaching staff and what they're telling uh, them is that, obviously, okay, you're ranked, that's great, the first time in program history, uh, but the job's not done. It's not, it's not really, we're not close to being done. Uh, the, the goal is a conference championship, you know? That's one of the goals, and we'll see what March Madness and stuff, but it's just it's the one and no mentality every game. You know, it's not the 
17-game win streak, which is obviously very impressive for us. But for them, it's like, okay, we got the one win. Now it's trying to get another win the next week. It's 1-0 every week. All right. Good stuff. Listen, Zach, we appreciate the conversation. It's going to be fun tomorrow. There's no doubt about it. We're excited about it. Dusty May has done a terrific job out at FAU, and I'm just anticipating a a great basketball game here tomorrow night. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for giving us the lowdown on the Owls, and looking forward to uh, to just uh, watching this game live up to all the hype. That's for sure. Absolutely appreciate it. I was expecting some wrestling questions, but I, but I guess not. Wait a minute now. Wait a minute. Uh, uh, <laughs> SmackDown is going on right now as we speak. And I, know uh, I don't know if you it. know this, but El Paso yeah. is getting um, an AEW uh, a televised event here in about uh, in about two weeks. During uh, Super Bowl week, they're going to be here. That's, that's going to be a good show because the pay-per-view for AEW is coming up pretty soon. So a lot of exciting things are going to happen. You know, AEW has been must-watch television. WWE, it's, it, it's been good television, but I don't know what Vince is doing over there. He's doing some weird stuff, but it, it's, yeah, it, well, that El Paso show should be an interesting one for sure. Do you prefer AEW to WWE? Oh, man. Really, really putting me on the spot. Man. Well, you brought up um, wrestling, so now we're going to go deeper into <laughs> wrestling because I've, I, I am a fan. I've got no problem talking wrestling with you. I'm excited about that. No, absolutely. Uh, if you ask me, uh, when Vince was still in charge, I, I would easily say AEW. Yes. Uh, right now, maybe I'm leaning WWE. I like what Triple H is doing with creative. I've always been a fan since NXP and stuff like that. But really, it's just neck and neck. That's why, to me, it's like it's it's great that you have an alternative besides WWE, like AEW. Uh, competition's great. It's getting the best out of them. Uh, right now, WWE is it's, it's interesting. You know, obviously, besides the whole Vince stuff that's happening in the background, the whole sale thing, uh, the lead up to the Royal Rumble has been has been really good. So, yeah, I, I love both, man. I watch both religiously. I'm I, I'm missing SmackDown now. I just got back from town, but <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, professional wrestling has always been a hobby of mine for sure. Is The Rock coming back to the Royal Rumble, and will he yeah. face? Um, um, is he going to face Roman Reigns at WrestleMania? I think I think you should. Uh, I saw a report from uh, Dave Meltzer from Wrestling Observer Radio that it, that he might not be in shape to go, but I think I think that might be a work, man. I think we see The Rock. He's going to enter the Royal Rumble. I think he might win it. Him or Cody Rhodes, one of the two. Yep, that's a good uh, one too. Yeah, you know, it's again the fight. I feel like it's such an easy thing. The fight to who's the real tribal chief, right? Roman Reigns or or The Rock? I I, I think it's such an easy thing to set up. WrestleMania is in Hollywood. How can you not do The Rock versus Roman Reigns? I agree. It it needs to happen. They've been talking about it for over a year now. Let's just get it done. Let's make it work and make it happen. All right. Very nicely done today. Way Way to wrap up this conversation. Zach, put some wrestling in your Twitter bio, please. Can we at least add some kind of wrestling to it? Because you got to let everybody know that you follow this stuff. I, I usually it's funny because I used to have uh, I used to do a wrestling podcast with, with my friend of mine JP Acosta right now. I uh, used to do that, but I got a little busy with the Palm Beach Post and school and some other stuff. But you're right, right I, I got to make it known, man. I, I really do. We will get you back next time to talk. Promise you, I got more wrestling. We'll go deeper. We'll go deep diving with you. That'd be fun. So. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, take care of yourself, Zach. Thanks again.
Thank you so much. Bye. Zach Weinberger, folks. Palm Beast Post. He is an FAU uh, beat writer. He loves wrestling. We learned that today here on Sports Talk. 23 past the hour. Come back with more in a moment. Sports Talk continues. It's 600 ESPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk. We keep things moving. Appreciate the time from Zach Weinberger on the program. Good stuff. And tomorrow is going to be fun. There is no way, no no other way to look at it. We'll have it for you. Six thirty, countdown to tip. Seven o'clock, John and Steve. Nine fifteen, nine thirty, minor talk, presented by the Oscardietta Allstate Agency. We'll take your calls, your tweets, your chats on the app. We'll also be uh, awarding our wind supply El Paso hot hand of the game. Our Keats Southwest player of the game. And for UTEP, this is uh, as big a game as they've had in, in, in recent years. It really is because it's a conference game. They're 500 right now. Adrian, this could completely jumpstart the second half of their season. No doubt about it. I mean, you need something to kind of kickstart a win streak that the Miners are hoping to have. Remember, just beating uh, Charlotte and FIU consecutively is the first time UTEP has won back-to-back in conference play at all season long, and it's the first time they've won back-to-back games uh, since December 17th and 21st when they beat La Tech and North Carolina A&T. So for the Miners to string along a win streak, I think that's really important for them. And if you look ahead, Steve, Next week and the week after, very tough road games. Uh, Road game against North Texas and then road games against Middle Tennessee and Western Kentucky. A three-game stretch on the road. Miners need a win tomorrow to catapult them into the the, uh, travel session that they have next week. And those are tough road games. Let's be honest. If you split with Western Kentucky and North Texas on the road – that would be a win in itself, wouldn't it? Yeah, and, and then you have Middle Tennessee sandwiched in between both of them. So I look at the yes. Blue Raiders as, man, that's a very quality opponent right there. So it if is. the Miners win two out of those three, I would consider that a success as well. Well, it's a tough road stretch. Yeah. It, 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 it really is. So that's one of the reasons why this game is so big for them tomorrow night. You know, knock off a nationally ranked opponent and get yourself some uh, some momentum that you need. You don't want to lose three in a row, and that no. I mean, look at what, well, four in a row. Yeah, four in a row. Exactly. You have FAU, North Texas, Middle Tennessee, Western Kentucky. That's four really tough matchups. In fact, uh, Ken Palm's matchup predictor right now does have UTEP losing four in a row. How about really? that? Yes, they have them losing uh, Florida Atlantic, North Texas, Middle Tennessee, and Western Kentucky. Hey, they're not back home until Thursday, February 9th against Charlotte. My God. You know what? We're in Phoenix the next time UTEP's home after uh, tomorrow night's game. Oh, that's a good point, Steve. And for that matchup against Charlotte, don't you think the 49ers are going to want some revenge after the Miners beat them in the final seconds? So oh, yeah. That, that's going to be an excellent matchup right there as far as uh, you know Conference USA action goes. So even though we'll be on the road, maybe we'll still get a chance to broadcast that one uh, you know, on the road with the Comrex unit and uh, watch it from, uh, from afar. Hey, let me say this. After tomorrow night, UTEP is playing six of their final ten on the road. Six of their final ten. I don't like that, Steve, and uh, you know why. Because UTEP it took all this year, uh, all the way up until this past Monday, to win their first road contest. So yep. if you're telling me that six out of the next ten are on the road, Miners are going to have to become a better road team fast. Big time. Big time. 
I'm with you. And these aren't just uh, cream puff road games either. They've got to play. Um, look at it. The, the layups for them will be UTSA and Florida International on the road. Okay, those are the easier games. But they've got to play North Texas. They have to play Middle Tennessee. They have to play Western Kentucky. They will have to play at Florida Atlantic on Saturday, February 25th. And then they come home and they wrap up the season with Western Kentucky and Middle Tennessee. Yeah, can you uh, just just uh, hear what you just reeled off right there yep. in a sense? I mean, it's the top three of the league in UAB, North Texas, and FAU still on UTEP's radar. Oh, oh. Yeah, not to mention the middle of conference, USA with Middle Tennessee and uh, Western Kentucky, Charlotte. And by the way, um, North Texas, Middle Tennessee, and Western Kentucky, um, those are all home and homes right now. That's tough. They got to play. They got to play those two teams twice over the final ten. Yeah, over three teams twice over the final ten. Who made the scheduling? I mean, oh, you know who made the scheduling? (laughs) Yes, and and UTEP plays Rice twice early on. They play La Tech twice early on, and now they're going to have to turn around play North Texas, second best team in the league, twice late in the season. Same with the likes of Middle Tennessee and Western Kentucky. I don't like. I hate that for UTEP. 505-6009 if you want to talk about it. 505-6009. Let's get one last Sports Center update. Here he is. Adrian Broadus standing by with the latest. Adrian, solid as always uh, each and every day with us here on Sports Talk. Let's go right back to the phones. Here is Fernie from the east side of town. Hey, Fernie, what's going on? How are you? Yeah, I mean, ready for the minor game tomorrow. Hopefully... I mean, I saw those, uh, I guess, like, what is it, 2014 was the last time they played a ranked team in El Paso. And then, uh, what was it, 2001, since we beat a ranked team yep. in El Paso? That's right, Fernie. That is right. God. I know. Where does the time go, yeah. man? Where does the time go, Fernie? I know. I mean, I got season tickets, but, I mean, I go to some of them. I don't go to some of them, but this one is definitely a go-to game. Yep. You know, and uh, we'll see how they go. I mean, you know what? Uh, yesterday, how did they do on, on free throws? Because, I mean, that's been their freaking Achilles heel. So it wasn't a um, it wasn't like a perfect free throw performance by any stretch, but they were better than five hundred from the line, which was a, a good sign. I think they they were eleven of seventeen. Yeah, that's I mean that's about sixty percent. So um, you know uh, that's uh, it's sixty four point seven percent is where they were from the line yesterday. Sixty four point seven. Well, I mean, hey, compared to some of the, the the other games that I've you know watched on TV or gone to, you know, it's just I mean, it's just that's that's been, I mean, really, Steve. I mean, if you think about it, how many games do you think um, due to the the free throws? What do we got about five maybe games that we could have won those? Oh yeah, because of the free throw. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yep. About five games, right? Five yep. Maybe that that we could, if if for some reason you know it. it turns that way and, and and here's hoping you know you know next year they're able to keep the same nucleus but you know the portable and, and maybe we'll get that that break and god it'd be a good team right yeah it would be it would be a very good i mean listen right now they're you know they, they're 11 and 8 they could easily be uh 16 and 3 even if they lost two of those five games they'd still be 14 and 5 uh, yeah. that would be about right yeah. you know yeah, I mean, so it's like it, it looks like it's, it's gelling, all you know, except for the damn free throws, and 
maybe the turnovers. No, right. turnovers are better. Turnovers are better. They turned it over 14 times yesterday, but a lot of those came yeah. when they were already up by 25 points. They did a pretty good job early on as far as that goes. Well, it's, it's just a matter of, man, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I'll, I'll be there. Hopefully, I don't think, you know, El Paso being El Paso, I don't think we're going to get to 12,000. Nah, right? I'll, be, I'll be happy if we get but, six. I'm not going to lie to you. I'll, I'll take 6,000. Are you serious? Oh yeah, six? yeah. They had, they had three thousand four hundred last night. So yeah, I'll take six. You know, you know, you're you're being realistic. I'd I'd, I'd say seven, eight. Maybe we're lucky. God, I would love you know, that, but I'm, I'll be honest. With you, I I I don't even know if they're going to get six. I don't even know if they're going to get more than the, up to that number. So listen, it's a different time, man. It just is, and they 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 should have a larger crowd. But I also never thought I would see the day where they're they're playing games in front of thirty five hundred fans at the Haskins Center in conference play. Yeah, I never well, thought I would see that. Well, it is what it is. People just yep. lose interest, and then this portal thing is just I don't know. It's hard to keep up with the players knowing who who they are, right? And then all of a sudden they change on you the following year, and it's, it's kind of like hard to, to know who they are. Hey, welcome you know? to college athletics in 2023. Right? Yep. Right? Okay, man. Hey, take care, Steve. Good weekend, Fernie. Later. Be good. Thanks for the call. All right, let's go to Jesse. He's next up. Wants to talk about the big one, Sunday night from Santa Clara, Levi Stadium. What's up, Jess? What's up? How are you? Good. How are you? I sound okay. <laughs> yeah, you sound great, Jesse. You sound uh, you right, haven't lo- you haven't lost your voice yet. Atta boy. <laughs> I just wanted to call in about my 49ers, the best game of the weekend. Um, I'll say this. I can't wait for this for this football game. I think Sat- Sunday is going to be amazing. Like, you know, Cincinnati Buffalo is the first game and then we get this game. I'm like, "Oh my god, what do we do to deserve such great football this weekend?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I wanted to all these Cowboy fans, man, they're all excited because they beat an eight and nine Bucks team with no pass rush. You know, they're coming to a different beast on Sunday. Well, they're also going against a team that's got a running game and a really good running game. So you're right about that. Um you tell me, Jesse, as a diehard San Fran uh fan. How close do you think this game is going to be on on Sunday? You know, I do know that there's talent on the Cowboys' side. So it might be close, but I think at the end of the day, we'll we'll take it out. We'll run away with it. Are you ready to uh, just, you know, stay with Brock Purdy as your QB1 for the foreseeable future after this season? You know, I think so. Um, He looks better than Trey Lance, and it uh, it seems like Shanahan trusts him more than Garoppolo. It's a good way of looking at it. Adrian, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with that. I think for Purdy, the big thing, Jesse, is just making sure that if Dallas does uh, instill that uh, you know strong pass rush that we've seen at some points this year, he doesn't get rattled, he doesn't get shaken, and even if he throws an interception or creates a turnover like you saw with Tom Brady, don't let it rattle you as much as Brady did and lose you that game like the Bucks did. So that's my biggest yeah. thing. I mean, it's still rookie quarterback going up against the Cowboys at the end of the day. Yeah. And here's And here's the scary thing, too, okay? If something happens to Brock Purdy and Josh and Josh Johnson has to go in and play quarterback, that could get ugly. Yep, yep. You know, we don't yeah, talk about we don't talk about that because like let's just say Dak gets hurt, right? 
I saw enough of Cooper Rush to know that the Dallas offense can become a very run-oriented offense, complementing with the passing game, and they can do very enough. True. And they can do enough to get by. But I'm going to tell you something right now. As a 49er fan, you got to pray that Brock Purdy stays in one piece on Sunday and doesn't <laughs> and, and, and doesn't get hurt. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, that's very true. You know, I don't think we get enough respect either. That's our third-string quarterback, man. That's true. Last guy in the draft, and he could turn out to be the best of the group. How about that? Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for taking my call. I'm driving. Enjoy it, Jess. Take care, man. Don't get pulled over. <laughs> Thank you. All right. 41 passed as we continue. You know, we don't talk about that with Purdy. We don't. But the truth is, um, if I'm a Cowboys fan, I feel good with Cooper Rush. If I'm a 49ers fan, there is absolutely no way right now I want 34-year-old uh, Josh Johnson to be uh, the quarterback in, in a close football game on Sunday. Yeah, and, I, and you know, you feel a little bad for uh, Purdy in a sense, knowing that if they lose this game, there's no guarantee that he's QB1 next year whatsoever. I mean, they have Garoppolo in the offseason to kind of think about whether they re-sign him or they move on. They also have Trey Lance kind of hanging in the back. Yep. They've drafted him you know, third overall and gave up so much draft compensation to draft him just a couple years ago. So uh, for uh, Brock Purdy, he stands way more to lose than he does to you know win this game for the 49ers. I don't know, I've seen enough of Brock Purdy to feel like he's QB1 material. I I really have. Yeah. I love the way he you leads like the him. T- I love the way he leads the team. He was good in the Big 12. I really yeah, liked him. He was. Him. Absolutely true. All right. 18 in front of 7. Final countdown. We'll wrap it up next. Sports Talk continues.